the people. Welcome to the courage. Welcome to the courage to change. Welcome to the courage. Welcome to the courage to change a recovery podcast. Okay, so that's our new theme song by Ashley Loeb Blassengame. Or Alb. Alb. Alby. Alb. I know. Or Karen Lobster Karen. Is that a Boston accent? <laughs> I think it's not. Yep, that's good. You'll get by just fine. You know what? You should definitely use that. You should go in character. Just the whole podcast or just go to Boston? Go to Boston Ooh. and pretend to fit in with that accent. I think I'd pay good money to see that. I could do that. I know. That would be fascinating. I, I used to be good at accents. My 19-year-old musical theater self <sighs> accents was look so fun. Quite, it was very good. And now I, I would have to say I've lost that. <laughs> I have accents. I just don't know what they are, you know, where you just come up with. <laughs> <laughs> and we're losing it. <laughs> I would. I just had the best idea. What to like? If I'm in a fight with Dak, to like drop into an accent and try to fight with him <laughs> in the whole accent, like try to have like a. Okay, and, I would pay money to see and that. And then have him be like, "Dude, stop! Dude, stop!" And I'm, like, I don't know what you're talking about. One of my tactics. Maybe a British accent. <laughs> I don't know why you're so mad know, at me. I, I don't know why you're so mad. I can't even do it. <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, you'd have to do either the <laughs> oh gosh, what's her name? Oh, what's the character that Audrey Hepburn played? Liza, Manelli. Eliza Doolittle, no. not Liza Doolittle, <laughs> Eliza Doolittle, My Fair Lady. That's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll um, have to do that English accent. Oh my gosh, I that that's a All real pull. All I want is a room somewhere. Oh god, that one. I haven't seen Far that movie away since away my mom from made the me cold watch it. Night air. I'm oh. to- like totally messing it up, but <laughs> if you could just do that, that'd be so great. <laughs> or the proper English. I think he might commit me for. He might think I'm on drugs. I'll come save you. Okay. Like, no, I swear. Or I just pop out from behind the couch with a video yeah, camera. Yeah, that would actually work the best. He'd be like. Christiana, where yeah. are you coming from? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. What episode are we on? Well. Oh, is... I'm here with Christiana oh. Kimmick. Oh, hello. Our producer. I'm doing a the dance. Best in the West. Oh, ooh, I like it. Best in the West. Best in the West. I'll come up with a better one. That one's That's okay. I like struggling. it. And I'm here with Ashley Little Blasting Game, and she is your host. You forgot to say that. And I am your host. I love it. <laughs> So we're going over today, we're going to go over episode 24, but we got some new stuff coming at you. I know. I can't even believe it's been, how long has it been now? Well, our first episode aired March 5th of this year. Wow. Isn't that crazy? If you're new to this podcast, we want to welcome you. Thank you for tuning in and downloading and subscribing and leaving a review. Oh, wow. Uh, Review. And thank no, you to really, those who have re- left reviews. We really yes, appreciate it. We're, yes. we're just so excited about the lovely things people no, have written. No, and it's, it's been an awesome experience. And um, if you're just tuning in, check out some of the the old interviews. And then these half episodes will make a little more sense mm-hmm. um, where we're just recapping and talking through the issues. And 
So hopefully it's helpful. Hopefully the recap is helpful. We were going to do away with the recaps and then people really wanted us to keep them. So now you get to listen to us. I think they just like listening to us just go downhill <laughs> yeah, for part down of the afternoon. Really fast. Yeah. <laughs> we, our, our crazy. I know. We should probably, if we did this earlier in the morning, we'd be more sane. We would be. I don't know why. Let me see. You guys don't know this, but it's 2.30 p.m. right now mm -hmm. when we're recording this. Yep. And I start to lose my mind at 3. And then well, it comes back online at 4. I See, I feel like we go downhill completely at 4. Oh, okay. we're We're done. So we're, we're okay. on second cup of coffee right now, which yeah. we both try and – Yeah. Well, I try and limit my caffeine yeah. intake now. Talk about substance use. So we are talking about today – we are talking about Jen Elizabeth's episode. Okay, so I just want to say this to the listeners. We're not obsessed with cults. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> I think – I we did not know well I didn't know like Jen was in a cult and I've, we found these we found a couple of speakers mm -hmm. who have been in them but I swear I feel like I feel like these days everyone has been coming out of the yeah, woodwork out now. of the woodwork I'm like oh my gosh people are gonna think we're like cult obsessed I think we're just kind of attracted well that's the recovery aspect right like because now Scientology is so you know, talked about, like, coming out of cults is actually starting to become more of a thing in the media. So I think maybe that's what it is. People are really obsessed with cults. It, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. You know, it's from the perspective of it feels like something that's so sensational. I think as a, as a viewer, as a listener, if somebody says, well, I survived a cult and it was something as crazy as Jonestown or some of the Scientology beliefs or, you know, whatever the case may be, people want to know. We just lost know, our whole Scientology audience. Yeah, I'm sorry if we have a Scientology audience. <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, I've watched that whole series and I love how they <laughs> <You're actually laughing. laughs> I'm, st I'm further we're not a, we're not obsessed with cults I've and watched I've watched the whole, whole series. series I've watched it three times well okay so I guess I can speak to that so the reason why I watched it was a I wanted to educate myself about it you specifically Scientology I always heard about it right Tom Cruise is into this or such and such in Hollywood and I just thought well what is it I want to know what right, it is right and then also there's been so many people speaking out against it that I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What are they speaking out against? Is right. it really a church? Like, is right. it like, like what, what is, yeah, what is this? I just want to know what's happening, right? Because now it's making national media. So listening to, so the, the series that I'm talking about, there's a few out there, but it's the, the Leah Remini series who mm -hmm. she does an incredible job outlining and detailing and interviewing people who have what what is for people who want to find that what where is that so you can find it i don't know if it's still airing on a and e but okay. you could you could find that's it that's where it was that's where it was so i know that they have some backlogs in you know whatever like you i don't know where my dvr list comes from my internet provider but um i know that i can kind of if you just search for yeah, leah, uh, leah sure remini it's, it's called scientology and the aftermath uh she has done an absolutely incredible job building interviews and essentially creating an expose to what's been happening in in secret and uh, interviews many, many, many survivors of who have left the Church of Scientology and they talk about their experiences specifically within the church that have to do with horrific things such as sexual abuse, um, extreme verbal and psychological abuse, um, being held against their will. I mean, just things that are just, they outline it. It's its absolutely crazy. They take statements from the Church of Scientology. 
um, you know, throughout the whole thing as well. And they'll air that just to kind of show the other side. Um, but I think my fascination with it was I, I didn't know anything about it. And I I wanted to understand. And then also, I wanted to understand how somebody could get so ingrained in something. Right. Like, how do you get there? Mm-hmm. I think for me, one of my dearest friends um, ended up joining uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. Oh, yeah. You said this. And um, it was like a super traumatic event for me um, because she had a daughter who I was like a godmother to and spent all this time with. The dad wasn't in the picture. And um, she was in school. She she um, did – she was a hairdresser and she saved enough money to buy a house in Vista right outside of Carlsbad. Wow. And um, was going to school to be a doctor and – Wow. And um, and we were really, really close. We went to rehab together, got out, and, and you know, um, and she was – she would study at this deli uh, called the Yellow Deli, which is actually really good food. And um, it's owned by the 12 tribes of Israel. And everybody who works there, they are part of it, and they vol- everybody volunteers – or I don't know if it's volunteers, but everybody has a shift or whatever. It's mm-hmm. run by them. And they just kept talking to her, inviting her. I mean, and I've been there and I've been to the commune. And, you know, now it's been years and she was married off to some guy and Man. now has a gaggle of kids. And I, I still hear from her here and there. Um, but it was super traumatic because she brought her daughter and – and like I couldn't take her I was very close to her daughter yeah. and I couldn't take her daughter anywhere or bring her toys or like do, it was just a really weird experience but one thing I'll say is that you know I saw the attraction in terms of wanting to be a part of something wanting community my mm-hmm. friend wanted community and these people were kind I mean most of the time I think the people that they run like horrific things happen there's a there's a term that um in college and you know as poli sci major and absolute power corrupts absolutely mm-hmm. and you you know people take things to extremes and 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 pervert everything I mean p anything a person people have a hand in they will pervert and you know um i'm not saying i i agree or that this was good or any or any commentary per se on on the 12 tribes of israel but what i'll say is it took me a long time to figure out or to understand and to see what it was that she was seeking and how this whole thing happened she ended up giving them her house she ended i mean it was just crazy like everything she owned i mean it was she um, couldn't come to my, you know, college graduation because they wouldn't, la- you know, like just stuff, Jeez. just crazy stuff where I was like, what is happening to my friend? Right. And um, and then she was bringing her young daughter into it. But what I saw was that, you know, people needed community. This commune, people were working together. They were supporting each other. They were having meals together. You know, they didn't feel off in their own isolation bubble of just working, coming home, trying to make it all work and being disappointed. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of it provided value. Mm. And I saw that like I went and I saw that. And, and again, there are lots of things about it that I thought were 
terrifying, creepy as hell. Um, but it's interesting because I saw what happens when people feel lost and they're looking for something that's going to satisfy a need. And mm-hmm. and really what that comes down to is an overall idea about humans and humanity, which is if you are not getting a need met, you will find a way to try to get that met with or without your consent, right? Wow. Let go or be dragged. Let go or be dragged. If you have a need that is not being met, you will act out until you get that need met. Yeah. And you won't real maybe you'll realize you're doing it, maybe you won't. But at the end of the day, that's how this stuff happens. Is that people have a need that that they ignore or that they mm-hmm. can't get met and they find a way. And I what I see these cults and these communities is that people feel unsupported, they feel alone. Um, they they want to believe, they want community, they want camaraderie, all these things. And here's this group of people that will do that. And it feels safe. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels I once um, I, I had a client who was um, special ops, uh, a Navy SEAL. And um, and he came back and he was working, you know, private security. And, you know, he, I, he was miserable. And I asked, you know, I'd ask him about it. And he's like, I miss my brothers. I miss the brotherhood. I miss, they were in the scariest situations I've ever heard. Right. But for him, it wasn't about, like, it was about life just isn't as good because I'm not with this group of people doing this. Like, we, this group of people who all believe the same thing and see eye to eye, like, there's a feeling you have when you're in a room with a group of people who understand you and all believe the same thing and all feel good. And that feels good to people. And that's how this happens. And then introduce someone who perverts that. Sure. No, that's completely understandable. If dance were a cult, then I, I mean. Right. When you're with your people. That's what I mean, though. Like, yeah, it that's, is. It I is. understand that feeling. Is, right? I've walked Imagine into a if room. You, you, yeah. know, you guys live together, your families, you know, like right. there, there's a draw and a need, but what happens is it gets and and it's actually a really great um commentary on how on addiction i mean Mm. sounds that's actually where we didn't really really true but it's a really good commentary on addiction because you're looking for something you're trying to fill a need and you want to you want it to be expedient right Mm -hmm. um because therapy and work and writing and (laughs) talking and all that right. not as expedient as a shot of vodka and uh you know and so that's what happens right you Absolutely. find alcohol alcohol is this need or becomes this need to fill this void that you need and it creates i mean my you know my relationship with alcohol and drugs for me my relationship with chemicals i'll just say mm-hmm. has been a relationship mm-hmm. a full-on you know my community a connection because when I'm connected to chemicals I'm not connected to the rest of the world and that is my community Mm -hmm. so I just see it as all like the cult thing and all of that stuff it's just another variation of people trying to get their needs met and to survive in a world they don't feel safe in 
I could see how finding a commune or finding something to plug oh, yeah. in and be a part of. Oh, yeah. And, My friend was a single mom. Right. And she was 20. I don't know. I don't know if that's the reason why they got I, it's plugged a huge, in. It's a huge reason because she's a single mom. She's 20. She was a kid having a kid. Right. And it was overwhelming and, and, and the support, you know, she's like, she mm-hmm. had family support, but it's not the same, you know, as living in a commune. Right. So you need help. You need to right. desire that help right. in that community, the same mindset. So, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, again, it comes back to like, why would something like that get that big? Why would, why would Matt, you be able to fill up Madison garden with the, with the moon, you know, with the moonies, right? Because right. they're offering people something. Hmm. That they want. Right. And I think that's something to be considered, which is when there's a large group of people, large movement, even if they're a minority, mm-hmm. and something's happening and it looks confusing and weird and all the things that you want to assign to it, which I, I'm the same way. My next question is always, what are people getting out of that? What is, what are, what's the need being met? And it's kind of like um, Jen talks about in her episode, the quote, of um like where's the pain coming from Mm -hmm. Uh, not why are you using but what's hurting you Mm -hmm. and i think that you know when i when i think about fifty thousand people in a a cult again it's community right it's Mm -hmm. organized by someone else like you're housed you're told what to do like all these situations it's like people want to be led right they do want to be led. And I think that another thing that some people, you know, are, have been – and this isn't a commentary on on church or anything like that. This is just a general kind of thing that I've seen out of people is that they want access. Okay, so they hear there's a Messiah, there's a God or high power, whatever. People want, a, want tangible access to that. So whenever a leader rises up as, you know, a Messiah or a prophet-type figure right. and they're in the flesh, it's, it's kind of – enticing that that person's accessible i see a lot of people personally who struggle with the spiritual idea meaning like there's a not like that god or the higher power as a non-tangible yeah it's very very difficult and i've also yeah, been there me too so it's i i can also see yeah. that draw too along with making having that person that messiah if, if that's the you know your chosen messiah or whatever Making an important life decision for you, i.e., a marriage. Oh, what well, well, must be blessed by so and so. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I think about that. Like being, you know, the Moonies or, or all these different cults, and I'm like, that is crazy. Like, why would you do that? How could you? Blah 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 blah. And I go through all those things, and then I think about my relationship with my ex, who you know put a needle in my arm for the first time, yep. and how I literally would do anything he told me to do. I mean, seriously, yep. he was in my head for years years after we broke up if he would and he called for 10 years or would try to contact me every year for 10 years and well into my marriage um wow and um and he would contact me if i spoke to him on the phone okay so it got to the point where in in the early years where and this was year i'm years sober years after i mean he is like you know long gone but he would call and I would say don't contact me and that comment me saying that to him and whatever his response was whatever would get into my head just my answering the phone and saying hello don't contact me would start a whole 
So for me, like a tailspin. Yes, it would mm-hmm. start a tailspin because he would start talking at me, right? And then that would cause him to contact me more. It, any anything if he got anything from Try and me, sell you on whatever. Yeah, it would just made mm-hmm. it ten times worse. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like I'm I'm setting these boundaries, blah blah blah. And but it would get into my head too. And so what I had to do was literally even into sobriety, in relationships, whatever, I never spoke to him again. I never answered a call. I never responded anything. And that was how I was able to, like, heal from that. But I'm telling you, if you – like, he was so in my head about everything. I remember getting sober and being in treatment and they were talking – you know, he was, he was the one who took me to my first – NA meeting, my first AA meeting, right? And yes. so, so like, he's my first, he's the first person who ever told me about recovery, let alone, so crazy. you know what I mean? Like, so it was just this. Put the needle in your arm. Right. But he was the first person to take you to a meeting because he said that you but had a drug he, problem. because he had been sober before. He had mm. been, this. he's a lifelong drug addict. And so he knew about this stuff. And I was a little kid and he saw that I, he knew this was in my future. That was evident, right? So, <laughs> You know, um, I remember being in treatment and they were talking about something that he had told me was BS and blah, 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 blah. And like, don't believe that, that, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in treatment, like not never wanting to speak to him again. And that voice coming back and telling me that and then me struggling to engage, stuff like that. And so it happened for years. And so when I think of that and I think of my personality, right, like, like, holy – I was in a domestic violence relationship. This right. is like I, I don't even know how to. It's so it's so far like you, and, but Bayon too. Exactly the two. I mean, it's, it's w- like we don't ugh, put up with anything ever, like at all. But you guys are so compassionate, but right. you don't put but you set happens, good boundaries. But what happens to us is due to you know whatever makeup, emotional damage, whatever we have. We either take all the power or we give it all away. Mm. So we're either fully in control or we're fully, like, we're fully being controlled or submissive. Wow. And so it's like a, there's no middle ground for us. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see myself do that in other situations where it's like I have trouble figuring out how to, like, you know, be part of the middle ground. And so when I think about that stuff, I go, yeah, I could see how this happens to 50,000 people. Yeah. I could see how this happens. I could see how people, you know, Jen talks about um, her parents were, I can't remember exactly what it was, but her parents were not in good, a good state no. of things. They Things weren't on the up and up. And that's when they moved to Missouri. Jen, yes, they moved to Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. But her parents went because they saw promise in something. Like, I can't remember what it was, but it was clear that they were like, help, this guy's got the answer or whatever. And then they followed them. It'll be different over there. It'll be different with these people. I feel like what happened is that they were already part of the community. It was was started as a church. Oh, okay. So then I got the whole thing wrong. No, you did not. You actually didn't. And so it started as a church in where she lived in California, Santa Barbara, I think at the time. Santa Barbara. And then and then they wanted to and they sent somebody out because they were looking for a a place. They scouted the land. Yeah, they were looking for a place to build a community. They somehow don't know how they ended up in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, a couple people came back and said. You should see it there. It's a land of promise. God is in Alabama. And that's how they moved there. Mm. 
So God wasn't here. Right. He was only there. Naturally. Um, yeah, just one place. That's he, all. Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Must have had good cell signal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I bad. found God in mobile. <laughs> Nowhere else. Um, right. But that it was like an, it was a, you know, seeking a need. So they go out there and, you know, I always think like you think what, he didn't have a job. He didn't like. Right. Right. Like so things were they all moved going well. with nothing. They moved with nothing. Right. And so what it, we, and with kids. So oh. and that's but that's what happened with Floor Edwards. True. You know, her parents but moving packed, to Thailand. Right. <laughs> Right. That's episode 13, in case you guys oh haven't listened God, to that how do you one. I remember that. Because I input all of it and oh. it's just ingrained. Okay, okay. Um, I can literally tell you every episode from now, from then. Wow, to now. that's impressive. Um, I won't do it now, though. Unless you want me to. <laughs> no. <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think it's I, like. On the one hand, it's like, oh my, like these, this is crazy. How do people do this? What the, what, you know, what kind of right. weirdo would do this? And then on the other hand, you know. But if it's meeting a need, if there's, right. a, if there's depends an how desperate un- that need is too. Exactly. If there's an unmet need. Yep. And, and also a li- the and power a little of- mental illness. You got yourself, <laughs> <laughs> you got yourself a recipe for some cult cake. Cult cake. <laughs> that would be a good infographic. Actually, it really would. Oh, my God. All um, we need is. But and then also, I mean, you've moved across the country and you know how difficult that is. So <laughs> yeah. I the, my joke that I've always said, me and Roger, Roger's my wonderful husband, is if we ever had to leave California, I said I'd need a whole bunch of people going with me because it'd be hard for me to leave my life here. And so imagine the draw of, you know, a whole right. bunch of people that you're that you're close to in that scenario who are moving to, well, you know, a totally different part of the country, but moving there, you know, that's, I'm sure it's scary, but it's a, it's a big draw, you know, to go with the community. But they feel safe with that community. Exactly. And, and then therefore they're feeling like their kids are safe, which is unusual because they were not. Ha ha. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So in Jen's story, what happens to her, and she's episode 24, uh, is actually after that move happens, uh, she disclosed that she, by one of the main leaders of the elders of the church, uh, she she did get sexually molested from age five, I believe, to nine. Mm-hmm. I think that was the age yeah. range. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually kind of glad we're bringing this up because this this there was a point that she made as she talks later in her episode. We were just kind of talking with her about how did that make you feel and what were you thinking as a kid? Like, did you right. did you think this was okay? Like, just tell us a little bit more about it. And and something interesting that she has had to deal with in her healing from that molestation is the feeling of like letting go of feeling like she participated in it. Yeah, so this is super common. Um, and I relate to this a lot when you are, especially when you're a kid and so when you're abused as a little kid, right? Um, you have little kid thoughts Mm -hmm. about what, what that is, what's happening. Right. So, and, and it kind of marks time. Right. And then as you get older and you start to understand, you look back and add adult thoughts. Right. And then you cri- you critique child responses, mm. right? So the guilt and the shame come from 
you know, um, Dax Shepard talks about on his podcast, um, he talks about being abused and how he has a lot of shame or he had shame because he would, the guy who abused him when he was eight would, had a car or something, some, something that Dax kept, kept going over there to, you know, he had something the kid that Dax wanted. And so Dax kept going over there and that's when it was happening. Right. Mm. And so, um, you know, he's talked about how like he felt complicit and, but that's from an adult perspective, right? right? Like we're looking back and putting adult experience and rationale and information, whatever, we're putting that on it, on this child experience. And, um, you know, Jen, same thing where it's like, you know, there is this feeling, um, and it's very much like this with date rape, um, you know, where you're like, you went into the room or you, um, agreed to do some, whatever the act was or mm-hmm. you didn't tell anyone or you like whatever the shame comes from this piece of you that feels like that you, like there's this idea and I had this too and then and then I experienced state rape and 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 was like oh my god this is you know how how does this happen and I right. saw exactly how it happens there's this idea that you would freak out, punch someone, like yell, scream, fight for your life, tell something. Like, there's this I like I I don't know if you have this too, but like what you would do, like you you like what you would do if that scenario were to happen. I feel like I I feel like I have it in my Exa- head exactly. Right. So um, most kids haven't gone through like haven't thought that through, um, but. It is the way that we react is not coming from a place of rationale. Mm. And my experience has been that I freeze. Mm. And but I don't freeze when other people are in danger. How funny. <laughs> so right? Like I yeah. ran into my neighbor's house. Like I don't freeze, right. but I freeze. And I think some of that is, you know. You don't know whether or not the person is would be willing to kill you in in exchange for whatever it is they want from you. Mm-hmm. So there is this sense, and and animals do it when they're being attacked. They freeze, mm-hmm. um, and they they actually can slow their heart rate, so the animal thinks that they're dead. Right. So a lot of the time, an a- animals will freeze and not move, um, and they'll actually like have a physiological response. And um, there's um, there's this book called Sidebar. There's this book called Zubiquity, and it talks about all of the different like mental health and survival and all these crazy things that are, are done and that animals do that we know. Wow. Animals self harm. Animals get addicted to things. Animals, you know, like all this stuff. So anyway, it's wow. in, it's in there. Zubiquity, and um, I love that book. Um, so. Yeah, I think like you, you freeze, you process. Is this really happening? Um, like, there's so many things that go on, and most of the time, it's someone you know. Yeah, so I, I just think that it's it's important to realize that however you respond while you're under threat, um, it is okay. Whether that's, I mean, some kids are like I experienced pleasure and enjoyment. 
Um, you know, I didn't realize what it was. So after mm-hmm. I froze, I whatever it was, uh, you just don't know how you'll respond till you're in those situations. And um, and there, there's a lot of shame. And I think that piece keeps a lot of people from getting help if they were complicit, if they had any enjoyment, if they came back. If they came back, yeah. That's a huge piece. It's like, well, I kept going over there. And it and it's funny. I, I love that Jen said, you know, and you've mentioned it too, that you know, people don't, people think of it with your adult brain, with your right. adult reasoning and rationale. You're not thinking of it from just the pure mind of a kid, you yeah. know, and, and just how pure, like they don't think, oh, okay, well, I'm going to reason if I go back, then this might happen again. And, you know, it, it's, I mean, but even if they did think that, like some children make, so like, for example, a lot of the, like children who are, you know, not shown affection at home, for example, mm. that may be the only way they get affection. Oh, right. Gosh, so like so that, sad. that may be the only like that may be. So there's some need being met for them, even though it's harming them. Right. So like you see stuff like that where it's like I this person at all the rest of the time was loving me, was caring for me, was whatever mm-hmm. protected me or protected my mom or like there's so many complexities. And so I just really encourage people that if you're struggling with that um, definitely reach out talk to someone it's super normal Um, you know whatever happened um, there's a way to work through it okay so I wanted to read a couple things Um, there's a website called darkness to light d2l.org and child abuse and they talk about a couple things about how to talk to kids about sexual abuse and I wanted to throw this in there because it's all well and good for us to um, have philosophical go-rounds about it, but it might be helpful to, like, have some actual things that we could do that we could change. Mm-hmm. Um, so it talks about talking to kids about sexual abuse. Um, teach children it is against the rules for adults to act in a sexual way with them and use examples. Teach them what parts of their bodies others should not touch. Be sure to mention that the abuser might be an adult friend, family member, or older youth. Teach children not to give out personal information while using the internet, yes, including email addresses, home addresses, phone numbers. Start early and talk often. Use everyday opportunities to talk about sexual abuse. Be proactive. If a child seems uncomfortable or resists to being with a particular adult, ask why. Yes, this is a huge one. I can't begin to tell you how many times I hear this one that they, you know, they were reluctant, they were reluctant, and nobody paid attention to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, understand why children are afraid to tell. The abuser shames the child, points out that the child let it happen, and tells the child that his parents will be angry. Mm. The abuser is often manipulative and may try to confuse the child about what is right and wrong or tell them the abuse is a game. Yep, that's what happened in my world. The abuser sometimes threatens to harm the child or the family member. Some children who do not initially disclose abuse are ashamed to tell when it happens again. Children are afraid of disappointing their parents and disrupting their family. Some children are too young to understand. Children who disclose sexual abuse often tell a trusted adult other than a parent. For this reason, training for people who work with children is especially important. Children may tell portions of what happened or pretend it happened to someone else to gauge the adult reaction. 
children will often shut down and refuse to tell more if you respond emotionally or negatively. Only 10% of perpetrators are strangers to the child and 23% of the perpetrators are children themselves. This one I thought was interesting. Um, teacher, or not this one, but teach your children how to get out of scary or uncomfortable situations. Um, tell your children that no one should take pictures of their private parts. Have a, this one, have a code word for your, ch- your children can use when they feel unsafe or want to be picked up. As children get a little bit older, you can give them a code word that they can use when they're feeling unsafe. This can be used at home, when there are guests in the house, or when they are on a play date or sleepover, so they don't have to communicate that. I thought that was really interesting. That's a good one. Uh, tell your children they will never be in trouble if they tell you a body secret. Tell your children that a body touch might tickle or feel good. Many parents and books talk about good touch, bad touch, but this can be confusing because often these touches do not hurt or feel bad. I prefer the term secret touch as it is a more accurate depiction of what might happen. Tell your child that these rules apply even with people they know and even with another child. So I thought that that was helpful. I mean, the whole thing is terrifying. And this is such a connecting point in addiction. Um, I I pulled up a study in the National Institute of Health. Um, The study reveals an extraordinarily high frequency of physical and sexual abuse among women and men admitted for detox in an urban inpatient facility. So they did a test, um, I'm sorry, a study, not a test, on the uh, association between sexual trauma and substance use and it's mm. huge i think it was like 80 percent gotta find it and put it in the notes um huge huge and and then that's just sexual trauma right like extrapolate right. that out to trauma right just any trauma to you know to substance abuse that correlation and you have you have an enormous amount of people coming in with you know undealt with trauma and you know, to be honest, um, it has like not until my kids were born was I ha- like have I been able to really feel or deal with childhood trauma? Like you know that that was some that for me it was I thought I had done all of the work mm. and I didn't really become raw or like able to feel until that happened and it was interesting to me that Jen talked about that about giving birth and having children how that really opened up some of those old wounds um because I related to that a lot not quite in the same exact like Mm -hmm. with giving birth not not that but just the whole experience right of becoming a mother Mm -hmm. and oh man it that's that's something that you can't control either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been – it's been super fun. Um, <laughs> like, really? Childhood trauma? Seriously? <laughs> it's been 23 years. Like, you have to be kidding me. I actually – I was call, I called my best friend last night and was like, this is ridiculous. But I'm actually – I'm doing um, EMDR on it and, um, and like, able to – it's funny. You know, when we – when I worked on it in early sobriety – uh, I did. I did do work on it. I did talk about it. Um, but what I did was I logically I, I forgave everyone involved. Mm-hmm. I understood what happened, like 
this is what happened. This is why people made these decisions. They were terrible decisions, but Mm -hmm. this is the circumstances they were in. So like I was able to do all that. But my nervous system was has is still imprinted with it, like with all the with the trauma. And so what's interesting is like going back, I'm not upset with anybody. I'm not angry. Like I that I did do that work. Yeah. The work I didn't do was to rewire my nervous system. And I, I guess I wasn't ready to do that. And I think that is like such an important piece of the puzzle, which is, you can understand intellectually and forgive and talk about it and be you know come to peace and terms but your nervous system may still be set on on mm. it may still be hypervigilance it may still have all of the markings of you know someone who is abused and you can't really undo that without getting deeper into that and doing some rewiring that makes so much sense and that's I know AMDR has been something that we've talked about so much and many of our guests have had positive experiences with it as well uh you know EMDR can be done with a therapist right so if someone was looking for EMDR resources where would they go so um I mean gosh if you just google EMDR or google EMDR therapist or come you know go to Lion Rock and we can help you um find somebody so um, you now can do EMDR, t- you know, telehealth. You can do it online. Um, I did I did a really powerful session online. Um, I'm working with someone in person and online. And, um, and I, you know, if you Google, like, psychology today, you can go on and find mm-hmm. people who do EMDR. Like, it'll say as their specialty um, or trauma work as their specialty. Most people are – trauma-informed these days and able to do it. Mm -hmm. The thing about EMDR is that you have to be able to feel and, like, connect to the pain of whatever it is. And so sometimes you're not ready. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you find that you're you're doing it and you're struggling, um, like, you might not be, like – mentally prepped and that's where the therapy comes in Mm -hmm. and doing the therapy and doing the work the prep work leading up um you have to get to a place where that you can work through that stuff in a way that's going to be useful so it's it's a process but um yeah I would find anybody who has um EMDR training or certified okay that's that's really great and if you guys do need anything then again you can always you can always email us at podcast at lionrockrecovery.com and we can also get you hooked up with one of our therapists as well. Yes, yes. And I'm also going to be, and I'll talk about this, um, I'll share more about this as I go along, but I'm um, going to be doing a bunch of neuro and biofeedback to try to do some rewiring stuff, um, which I can, you know, talk more about. And so if you Uh, you know if like if this is resonating with you about like yeah I've talked it through a gazillion times and like come to this understanding but like I still feel you know like my nervous system is is you know overwhelmed all the time Mm -hmm. Um, you know there are physical things that you can do and and definitely check out um, check out neurofeedback and biofeedback and I'll report on I'll be the guinea pig and report on how it goes yay that's really exciting yeah so there was something else that Jen had brought up in her episode and I wanted you to explain a little bit more about this she said 
at one point in her life, alcohol and drugs saved her. In essence, what she was saying is that at that moment in her life, the trauma was so great that she basically would have taken her own life if it weren't for the coping skills and techniques that she had found using alcohol and drugs. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, I think we... I think we often uh, glaze over the part of alcohol and drugs where they are being employed for a very specific purpose and that they are very good at their job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the D.A.R.E. campaign or, you know, all these, you know, we don't talk about the fact that um, alcohol makes you feel good, drugs make you feel good until they don't. Mm-hmm. And they are fun and you have a good time. Like it, it doesn't it isn't all bad, right? It, it does something for us. And when you have trauma like that or when you have something that you need to anesthetize, um, alcohol and, you know, and, and of course drugs and these chemical, these intoxicants do a really good job of helping with that. And a lot of the time, if we didn't have that, if we didn't have some coping skill there would be no way for that person to survive something like that. I mean, imagine a scenario where the person has that kind of trauma and then doesn't respond at all or responds accordingly and is a total basket case. And, you know, like if you aren't in a safe place where you can fall apart, where you can have support, like you have to have, you're going to have some reactions. So sometimes people drop into eating disorders. Um, we've had people who um, develop dissociative identity disorder, you know, what we used to call multiple personality disorder. Um, you know, all sorts of things happen to people at the point where they need something. Some kill themselves. So, you know, alcohol and drugs, they are our allies, they're our friends, they help us survive a lot of life and various situations until they are no longer the solution, they become the problem. I think that that's a really important point and thank you so much for going into that because that's something that we don't think about in society. It is you know, in the 80s and the 90s, it was just say no, just say no to drugs, you know, dare, um, the dare programs, dare to keep kids off drugs. I remember singing about that in elementary school. <laughs> Everything was just bad, 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 which. Right. Like they didn't address the fact that, hey, when you take drugs and alcohol, it's fun. Like it's a really bad campaign to say drugs are bad, drugs are this, blah, 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 alcohol, this, that, the other. And then you go out and you get drunk for the first time and you feel really really great, you're going to go, oh, everything they said was a lie. Right. You're completely discredited. So it makes more sense to say, yes, there are reasons why people do this. Yes, this experience, you know, has this. However, it's deceiving because Because X, Y, Z. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really, really helpful. And I'm really thankful to Jen for bringing that that up in her episode too because I think, again – It's just a super important point for people to realize. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast community. We appreciate it. And as always, we'd love to hear from you.
Yes, and tune in for an exciting episode next week. We've actually, we have a few people coming up who became our podcast guests because they are also podcast listeners. So that brings me to a little quick tidbit. If you also want to be a guest on the podcast and share your recovery story, we want to hear from you. So you can go to lionrockrecovery.com backslash podcast and fill out our podcast guest application. There is a live link on there. Uh, Feel free to fill it out. Come straight to us and we will contact you. We're looking for new guests for season two. That's all I got. All right. Over and out. The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast, would like to thank our sponsor, Lion Rock Recovery, for their support. Lion Rock Recovery provides online substance abuse counseling where you can get help from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit www.lionrockrecovery.com backslash podcast. Subscribe and join our podcast community to hear amazing stories of courage and transformation. We are so grateful to our listeners and hope that you will engage with us. Please email us comments, questions, anything you want to share with us, how this podcast has affected you. Our email address is podcast at lionrockrecovery.com. We want to hear from you.